Well, good morning, everybody. We, we, we call today End of Year Celebration Sunday, and we look back on God's faithfulness over these past 12 months, and we anticipate the move of God over the next 12. We held our annual members meeting on Wednesday night. That was kind of part one, and today we continue the celebration, and we give thanks to God for sustaining us and strengthening us and shaping us in what has been a very unusual year. So today we're gonna kinda take a a look at the year in review and recount some lessons from the lockdown. And this morning I'd I'd like to go back not just 12 months but 15 months to the very start of the pandemic. In the early days, uh, COVID was confusing, right? Experts didn't know anything about the novel coronavirus. It was novel, it was new. Uh, we didn't have a lot of information to go on. And as a church, we weren't sure how to be helpful. But in the early days, it was all about PPE, personal protection equipment for medical personnel and for first responders. And so we organized initially around that. And you may remember that we organized a sewing team, uh, 201 volunteers on the sewing team who sewed 7,892 adult masks and 172 kids masks. And then church member Brian Pendleton, on on his own dime, got a 3D printer and uh, added an additional 269 face masks to the count. That was the sewing team. And then we had a shop and drop team. And this team, 113 volunteers early in the pandemic, they delivered mask kits to sewers who who didn't uh, feel safe coming out to pick up the supplies on their own. And they delivered completed masks to 49 different organizations, medical facilities, hospitals, uh, clinics. Uh, They delivered, wait for it, 17,300 face shields and distributed 750 gallons of hand sanitizer and 1,200 gallons of surface cleaner. We should have called them the clean team. Now listen, no one on these teams said when they were a child, I have this vision for face masks. Uh, Nobody said on these teams, hand sanitizer has always been my passion. Uh, People just did what our community needed in the moment. And I don't want to lose these lessons of a lockdown. I don't want to put away the power of a pandemic. I want us to always be people who meet the actual needs of our community. Not what we think their needs are, but what the needs really are. In the early days of the pandemic, there was great concern for seniors. Uh, We were told that people who were older were especially vulnerable to severe sickness and to death. In fact, you've heard our early losses as a church came from our senior saints uh, who lost their lives after contracting the coronavirus, and there was a lot of fear around this. And so uh, someone suggested that we phone every person in our church over the age of 70, go through the database. Everybody over 70 should get a phone call to check in, and 1,400 phone calls were made in just a few days from our deacons and from other volunteers. 
And then we put together a tech team, a, a, a geek squad, if you will, that was ready to go into the homes of seniors and make sure they were set up with equipment so they could tap into Sunday morning services at their church. And we had all these Amazon sticks purchased and they would go in to people's homes and set up the equipment and teach them how to use it. And, uh, and then they would go out a week later and teach them how to use it again. And because and, uh, we wanted everybody connected uh, in worship. And then later in the pandemic, we were especially concerned about isolation that people might be experiencing, especially people living alone, especially widows and widowers. And so we had this idea to just deliver a porch package on the doorstep of every widow and widower, um, just a little care package to say, we're thinking about you. And uh, we weren't going in the house, maybe a conversation from across the porch. We were being very careful in those days. And it was so well received by the people who received the packages and by the people who delivered the packages that we did two more holiday-related porch drops for a total of 750 gift bags delivered this last year. Now listen, I, I would not wish a pandemic on anyone. This has been terrible. But it has felt good to be the church of Jesus in an hour of need. It's felt good to be the hands and the feet of our Lord. And I don't want to lose the lessons of a lockdown. I don't want to put away the power of a pandemic. I want us to continue to be a church that looks in on the lonely, that cares for the vulnerable, and is patient with people who struggle with technology. I officiated a funeral a few weeks ago for a man and the grandson living in another country now FaceTimed in for the funeral and actually spoke, gave eulogy to his grandfather and told about how they would do these video uh, conference calls and even play chess over video halfway around the world. And he gave a great tribute to his grandfather and he said, I'm going to miss a lot of things about grandpa. Uh, I'm also going to miss seeing grandpa's inner ear every time he tried to answer a video call by placing it to his, to his ear. Yeah. Early pandemic, we started a Facebook group called The Breathing Room. Again, we didn't know what to do in the early days of the pandemic, but we knew we wanted to stay connected. And so every night for many months, hundreds of people logged on to hear the scriptures read and to say prayers together. And for a lot of us, it became an important nightly ritual uh, before we tucked away for the evening. And I received this email almost a, a year ago now. This person wrote me and said, each night during the breathing room, hundreds of people are logging in across hundreds of homes. And it's so beautiful to see and be a part of. It struck me tonight how true it is, this person writes, that the church isn't about a building. This season has shown me how important relationships are. It's showing me that God is moving and God is drawing us closer to him and closer to each other during this time that we're apart. And the letter ends, weird, huh? And it was weird. A lot of our presuppositions about what it means to be the church have been challenged in really healthy ways. God is teaching us a lot. And I don't want to lose those lessons of a lockdown. I'm not ready to put away the power of a pandemic. I want to be a church that stays connected to each other using any means available to us. And then there's the personal efforts that were involved this last year. 
I invited our congregation to consider blessing a grocery worker uh, by purchasing a gift card, and they're, they're, in the, they're in the line taking it out of the bag and handing it right to the grocery worker and saying, thank you uh, for, your, for your service. And a lot of you did that, and you reported what a great blessing it was to the cashier and to yourself. And then I received this copy of a letter that a couple in our church placed in the mailboxes of their neighbors' uh, homes, again, early, early in the year here. Uh, their note to their neighbor said, Dear neighborhood friends, everywhere we turn, we hear news that can create fear, uncertainty, and concern for our closest family and friends as well as ourselves. We want you to know that God our Father is watching over you, caring for you each moment. And this is what he says about you through the prophet Isaiah, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous hand. To demonstrate his love and care for you, we want you to know that we are available to help you in any way we can as your neighbor. If you don't want to go out and need groceries or other essential goods, we will be your personal shopper. Need to send a package or buy stamps, we will be your postman. Need to get medical help, we will be your ambulance driver. Need a friendly ear that will listen or helpful words that will encourage you, we will be your neighbor and friend. We promise to take all CDC recommended precautions as we interact with you over the coming weeks. We don't want to bring harm to you or to your family, only blessing. We want each person in our neighborhood to know that you are not alone or forgotten. We are praying for you and your families during this ordeal. Lessons from a lockdown. I don't want to lose them. I want us to always be caring for our neighbors. In the summer, after worshiping exclusively online for four months, we started worshiping outdoors. We couldn't gather inside, but we desperately wanted to be together, and so many people brought lawn chairs and set up in our church parking lot, and it felt really good to see each other for the first time in many months. Another section was for people who felt more comfortable staying in their cars, and uh, they lined up in rows like you would for a drive-in movie theater. Other people did lawn chairs in their cars, the best of both worlds, and it felt just right. It was the first time we'd see each other in many months, and it was such a joyful spirit. We offered activities and options for kids of all ages uh, so that everybody, all the generations, could participate. And I will look upon the pandemic summer of 2020 as one of the most important and unforgettable summers ever. Now, it wasn't perfect. Some days got pretty hot. There were days you could see the heat rising from the black asphalt, and we sat out there like hamburgers on a grill. <laughs> but we were reminded that the church is not a building. We learned that worship isn't always convenient, and we learned not to take the gathering for granted. And I don't want to lose those lessons of a lockdown. I don't want to put away the power of a pandemic just yet. God is teaching us fresh ways to worship Him. This same summer, 2020, was a summer of racial tension. We and the entire world repeatedly watched a video of a Minneapolis police officer with his knee on the back of a neck of a black man. And we watched, on video, we watched George Floyd die. There were protests and counter-protests, 
and other stories of police brutality. And some of the scenes on the TV screen, honestly, were hard to relate to. It seemed like we were watching something halfway around the world. But then our own African-American friends began to tell us about their own experiences. Our neighbors told us their stories, and we found new ways to relate. My friend Harvey Carey and I did some teaching together. He, an African-American urban pastor, me, a white suburban pastor, and we have so much in common. Harvey and I are the same age. We got married right about the same time to our wives. We started our families about the same time. We have the same education, the same occupation, but we started to talk about our own different experiences and realized we've had a different upbringing. I've never been followed in Somerset Mall with suspicion? Harvey has. I've never been harassed by store clerks? Harvey has. I've never feared a police stop other than the fear of having my insurance rates rise? Harvey has. I was invited to participate on several race relations panels over the course of the summer. I'm still not sure why I was selected for that. I'm a novice at this. The events of last summer have led me on a year-long personal journey that has involved lots of conversation and reading and soul-searching. And I've committed to my black colleagues and friends that I will be a voice for reconciliation and unity in my personal life and in my ministry. And I hope you will join me in that. This has been a year of creativity, and I'm really proud of the -the out-of-the-box thinking of our teams. What do you do when the big family Christmas outreach event that we do every year can't happen because you can't meet indoors? Well, our team planned a Christmas in a box program. Every family would get a box of Christmas activities, but they didn't just get sent the box. Before picking up the box, the family drove through around our building. They drove through a a drive-through nativity, a drive-through Christmas caroling event, a drive-through snowball fight, and uh, and even complete with with a Christmas card photo suitable to send to grandma. Likewise, this year's Easter egg hunt happened outdoors, and hundreds of kids from our church and our community participated. Our kids department this year hosted an online family painting event hosted by our own artist, Natalie Ziamba. Families picked up their supplies and had a Bob Ross-style painting adventure in their homes. Such creative ideas, such creative ideas emerged this year. And I don't want to lose those lessons from a lockdown. I don't want to put down the power of a pandemic. God is leading us to think outside the box. God is leading us to higher levels of creativity. We worshiped masked and distant and online and outdoors and in homes. And we learned that nothing can stop God's people from worshiping God. Now, I think toward the end of the year, toward the toward the middle or toward the end of the pandemic, I know it's not over, but toward the end here, I think, I think honestly, we got a little fatigued. I, I sensed it in myself. And a lot of people were writing about decision fatigue and caution fatigue. And some places people got a little cranky, perhaps. And I, wanna, I told our congregation gathered for the meeting on Wednesday, I, I want to thank you as well for the way that you handled masks 
This last year, I'm in touch with a lot of pastors around the country, and I've heard horror stories of how this little piece of fabric is splitting and dividing churches, and you did not allow that to happen, not because we all agree, not because we all agreed, we did not, but because you rose to a higher level of civility and mutual love. And I especially want to thank those of you that did not agree for the way you so graciously handled all the COVID protocol that was in place. So thank you, uh, church, for your unity. One of the striking things about this year is how strikingly normal many of the counts were. Uh, Financial giving has remained strong, and thank you for your steady, faithful generosity. Even those special uh, giving moments that we expected to be weighed down, like the Operation Christmas Child with the shoe boxes with toys and grocery uh, drives, uh, because building traffic is only a, a third of what it used to be, we expected those to be down a third, but they were not. They were up. You made special trips out for shoe boxes and special trips out for groceries. Um, this year, 45 people attended a Newcomer's Connection dessert. 45 people in the middle of a pandemic. More than 200 women met every Tuesday to study the Bible with Pam Dodge online because nothing will stop these women, uh, nothing will keep them away from the Bible and from each other. 747 people participated in a small group last year. So that's a a very normal, healthy, non-pandemic year number that we hit. It shouldn't have been that way, but it was. We craved being together. And you know how many small groups started last year? In the last 12 months, 15 new small groups started. Uh, 15 groups that did not exist a year ago exist today, and they started in the last 12 months, and a lot of them started online. It's just an amazing, unexpected twist of, of, uh, of a year. A lot of creative variations I'm hearing about our groups. One of our small groups meets every week to walk outside together. They, they, they've done this now for almost a year. They walk and they talk about the sermon. They walk and they talk, and now this group is actually contemplating running a marathon together after a year of walking and talking about the sermons, which lets you know our sermons are entirely too long. Uh, They're looking at a marathon. Some groups are using the chosen videos, and if you haven't found those yet, uh, these, these, these dramatic uh, movies about the life of Jesus. You want to find that, the, the, the chosen videos. And you've heard today, about, again, about the Forgotten Harvest. That's just been amazing. 732 people have volunteered at the food drive. 732 people have volunteered. And because they work in shifts, it represents 2,198 volunteer hours. Forgotten Harvest food distribution. It was a pandemic-related launch. But honestly, we should have done it years ago. I don't want to lose the lessons of a lockdown. I don't want to put away the power of a pandemic. The church of Jesus Christ prevails under all conditions. For more than 2,000 years, the church has moved forward in times of famine and war and pandemic. You could argue that it is precisely in the times of the greatest crisis that the church that bears Jesus' name and Jesus' heart is at her best, ministering to real needs and 
pointing people to real hope. We've had a lot of conversations among staff and elders recently about worship services. Now that in-person attendance is growing, what should our worship schedule be? Will we offer different kinds of services? Will we stay with just the one? And the conversation has been robust and spirited, and a lot of people have written letters expressing their ideas, and we announced our plan which will un- to our members on Wednesday, and we'll unfold that in- to the rest of you in the weeks ahead. And one night, as our elders were discussing uh, the worship services, the words of the prophet Micah came to me, and you may know these familiar words from the prophet. The context in Micah was people were confused over what God really wanted from them. And many of the prophets say something quite similar, but in Micah's case, he ministered to the southern kingdom of Judah, and the people were saying that they, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know. And so they asked, what kind of worship does God really want? Should we bow before him? Should we bring God burnt offerings? Should we offer God a thousand rams? Should we offer him our firstborn? What does God really want from me? What does God really want from us? And God says, through his prophet Micah, humans, people, mortals, you already know. You already know what God wants. You already know what God requires. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Now listen, there's a lot of things that we don't know. I I don't think we fully know yet how this pandemic has changed our world. We don't know who's going to join our staff to fill some key open positions. We still have to navigate the future of our worship services for our very diverse congregation. There's a lot we do not know, but yet we do know what God wants. We do know what God requires. Justice, mercy, humility. Not only does God require this of us, our world needs this from us. And... Younger Christians need to see older Christians who model this. They crave it. So this year, I want to ask our congregation to do three things. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. There are a lot of things we don't know. This we know. This fall, our big sermon series and small group companion that happens in October and November, uh, it'll be a study of the minor prophets of the Old Testament. And we're going to learn from God's message through these Old Testament prophets. And of course, our main objective is not to learn about the prophets. Our main objective is to become people of justice and mercy and humility. Our objective is to walk with God. And I sense that God might be doing something fresh in our midst. And God is asking us, as God has asked generations of his people, to trust him in the midst of the unknown. And I look forward to doing that together with all of you. Will you stand and join me in reading the words of the prophet Micah that I've just described to you? 
I want us to read them from the biblical text directly, and we'll kind of uh, close the sermon time with these thoughts as we read this aloud. God's word to us through his prophet Micah in Micah 6.8. Let's read this together. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Oh God, we thank you for your sustaining power this past year. Thank you for your shaping influence on us as individuals and as a church. Help us to reflect in ways that solidify what you are teaching us. May no lesson of the lockdown be lost on us. May the power of a pandemic not fall short. Thank you for the prophets of old who served as your mouthpiece, who boldly spoke your messages regardless of consequence. Speak to us through them once more. Bless your church gathered in this place and all around the world. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.